Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into World Soccer Talk, Soccer Morning. We are running just a bit late on a Monday. Uh, won't go into the reasons why, but it gives us an opportunity to straight into uh, a Premier League review with our friend Kristen Hennage. He is on the line with us now. Follow him on Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Kristen, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Jason. How are you? I'm well. I wonder. I imagine you're still uh, processing everything that we got from this particular opening weekend of the Premier League season. Uh, some surprises thrown up, and and I suppose we should start with the the biggest surprise: West Ham doing a number on Arsenal at the Emirates. Peter Cech, not the best in his debut, Christian. No, he wasn't. And you know, we already, as you said, there's been a lot of discussion on on the Premier League in general, but specifically the kind of capitulation of Arsenal at home. And I think I was discussing this with a friend last night and the conclusion I came to is actually, if you think about it, Chelsea and Arsenal play very different styles of football in terms of Chelsea like to sit a little bit deeper. And I think there's a lot less for Czech to do in terms of decision-making. He's, mm. he's expected to stop shots and do kind of almost what we consider the basics of goalkeeping, which I think he is exceptional at. But when he hasn't played as much recently and he's being forced to make quite bold decisions like do I run forward and try and collect that cross? Or do I stay on my goal line and hope that it comes towards me? That's where I think he possibly falls down. It's a, it's a bit like the, the situation we used to see with, with Ben Foster many years ago, where he would excel at Watford and we would think, wow, Man United have this great young English goalkeeper that will probably be there for a decade. You then transplant him into that Manchester United side and he tends to struggle. Why? Because he's having to do less and he's having to make kind of more decisions. And it's a, it's a different mentality goalkeeping from a lesser team to a bigger team. And in the case of Czech, it's a different mentality coaching from Chelsea to Arsenal, from one big team to another, because they play such different styles of football. It's an interesting theory. I hadn't considered that. I mean, you know, I imagine that, that even a, a seasoned professional like Petr Cech could have some, some nerves on opening day playing for a club like Arsenal, whether you come from Chelsea or not. Well, of course, I think that, that's something to, to consider as well, is that after all, Czech is human and, and much of the, the kind of uh, discussion this summer has been about how influential he's going to be for them, how he's going to elevate them to this new level. And, and I think the, the phrase is win them points on his own, 12 to 15. That's a lot of pressure to put on a goalkeeper. And I think as well, you know, it's one of the things that I never really envied the goalkeepers I played with as a kid, because if you make a mistake, chances are a goal's been scored. It's unlike any position on the field. If you're a defender, midfielder, attacker, if you make a, a mistake, it's fairly likely that a teammate can, can fix it for you or cover up. It's very rare that that happens for a goalkeeper. And I think there's, the thing is with the opening weekend, we, we often try and make huge, broad kind of brush strokes yeah. at the end of it. And that's understandable because we, we, as, a, you know, as a football fans, we like to analyse everything. The truth is, this is a quarter of a month of the season in terms of the, the nine months that will, will follow. So it's, it's really next to nothing in the, the context of the bigger picture. No, certainly not. This doesn't mean that Arsenal won't be title contenders. It doesn't mean that Chelsea is going to struggle at home, they've, where they've traditionally been uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, everyone's got a bit of rust, and the window still, ha still has three weeks left in it. 
Um, Christian, so we don't even know if these are the way these teams are going to look for the bulk of the season. Uh, but so, so I guess what we should come to is, is just in, in the small picture that we got from the weekend, should Arsenal be concerned about their inability to put the ball in the net? I think they have a, a good right to. I mean, look, that's another one of the, the kind of standard discussion topics with Arsenal fans is, is Giroud good enough? Um, unsurprisingly, a lot of fans said that that is not the case after Sunday. Um, and I wonder how much of that was fueled by first day frustration. The talk that they're in, interested in Karim Benzema and, and that's someone they're looking to do a deal for, I think will placate those concerns somewhat and, you know, appease those fans who are frustrated. I think that they do need a, a striker who, of Benzema's ilk if they want to challenge for the top because I'm not convinced of you that I've never really been that sold on him to do it consistently enough. I think he's a, a very good player with um, moments of world-class performance. But the problem is you need someone who's consistently like that week in Michael. Um, and I think Giroud is not that person. The problem is as well is that I think the majority of football fans in England, if there is any problem at their football club, the go-to response is, ah, well, we should sign X, Y, and Z. It's very rare, and we've discussed this before, you and I, yeah. it's very rare that football fans say, actually, we should try and coach through this problem. Mm-hmm. We should maybe not loan out Juba Akpom to, to Hull City. We should maybe put him in there and see if we can work with him. We should see if there's a system change we could do to, to yeah. put Giroud in a better position to score goals. And that's the, the unfortunate thing, is that everything is solved by spending more money. Um, and I think that, yes, it's very easy to forge the idea that Arsenal should go and buy Karim Benzema, but perhaps there's a style change that's required in there as well. Well, I think it's also this, um, you know, the human, uh, the human predilection towards uh, imagining. We fill in that hole that is um, the future with dreams of, you know, fantastic success. So you sign a new player from another club, perhaps one where they're they're excelling, and you know that you plug, plug them straight into your club, and all of a sudden we're great. Rather than, as you said, coaching through a problem, making a tactical switch, maybe bringing through a player who hasn't yet gotten a chance to make his mark yet, who's already with the club. It's the same thing with youth players, Christian. We look at these 18, uh, 17, 16-year-olds here in the States and we go, oh, they're going to be fantastic. But that's only because we don't know what the future holds yet. And we fill that in with all this wonderful success. Of course. And I think, you know, you look at West Ham and, and credit to, to Slavon Bilic. He's put Reese Oxford in a position to succeed. He's given him an opportunity and said he believes in him. That is one of the biggest obstacles that a youth player in the Premier League faces, is being given that um, opportunity in the first team because games are seen as, as invaluable points can't be dropped. I hear a lot about the young players at Arsenal, the likes of Serge Gnabry, Gideon Zilloland, the US uh, youth international, Tuba Akpom, who we touched on there. I hear a lot about them, but I don't really see them in what I would constitute competitive games. It's great giving them opportunities in the Carlin, uh, the Capital One Cup, excuse me. But the problem is that if he loses in that game, Gnabry or Akpom or, or whoever you choose, realistically the repercussions aren't that great. And, and equally, it's not the most competitive standard. I don't think it's the greatest kind of introduction to the Premier League to play them in a competition where they're likely to face League One, maybe League Two, even Championship opposition. Yeah. You need to be putting them in the Premier League and saying, OK, I trust this player, I think this player is an important part of our future. Now is the opportunity. There's, there's a host of players that have had to go away from Arsenal. I think Chuck Zanicki is the, the best one. He went to Zolvarahem in, in Belgium to get football. It's great performing in the, the elite development squads, but the truth is, is you have to then build a pathway for these players to the first team. And at the minute, perhaps even for the last few years, I'm just not sure if if Wenger's done that for, for every young talent they've had. Certainly, guys like Bellerin have had that opportunity, but I think possibly he could be doing more. So it doesn't it doesn't mean that Arsenal should be written off. It doesn't mean Chelsea should be written off. A two two draw with Swansea. Um, it doesn't mean Manchester United, who struggled, I think, to beat Spurs based on what I saw and, uh, and needed a an own goal. Although you you imagine Rooney would have finished that opportunity, Christian. But still, uh, you know, it's not as though United was was rampant over Spurs at home. So, but at the same time, you you can imagine a club like West Ham or or Swansea. Uh, taking some some real hope, and Watford against Everton, I think, is probably in that category as well. Taking some real real hope um, for their prospects out of these out of these games. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, look, it's, it's a bit like the old Miles Davis quote. It's, it's not about the bum note that you hit. It's about the note that you hit afterwards. That's the important one. And I think for the teams that struggled, it's about how you respond to that. I think in the case of the, the promoted teams, I mean, you touched on Watford there, I think they've realised actually they're more than comfortable in this league, um, that on their day they can, can easily compete. They have a, a wealth of uh, experience in there, well, on Barami, Etienne Kaku, uh, Miguel Leon, who you know, popped up with a fantastic goal. And so they shouldn't be concerned. Equally, that strike force, the, kind of, the championship three that they had last season, there was a little bit of tentative concern that they may not be able to, to hack the step up. I thought they were fantastic, the three of them, um, typified by Igalo's goal. I thought he showed immense composure to kind of keep it um, on the deck and then fire it in. So that's what you're, you're trying to clean from the first week. Is it's, are the teams um, able to compete, the ones that have come up, and those who maybe struggled last season near the bottom, how have they performed? To be honest, I thought Sunderland looked incredibly slow and, and quite sluggish. Um, which is a real concern for a first day of the season. Equally then at the top, for the teams that, that performed, I think Manchester United, now they've still got a few gears to go, but they, they seem a fairly good team. Um, and as for Chelsea, again, it's that first day start and, and the idea that they may not be as, as infallible as uh, they thought they were in pre-season. Where, uh, where else are you, are you looking? You have City opening up today uh, at West Brom. Um, that's you know a chance, I suppose, considering the other results that we've seen, for City to make a statement about about themselves and their and their title aspirations. Again, not drawing any broad conclusions about one match, but you know when you consider that Arsenal has lost, when you consider uh, that Manchester United struggled a bit, when you consider Chelsea Chelsea drew at home, here's City, and if they really put it on West Brom, they they can sort of proclaim themselves uh, maybe the leaders at the beginning of the year. Well, I think momentum is a, is a big part of, of any title race. Um, and any opportunity you can have to establish an early one and give yourself a real jolt of momentum, you have to take. And that's essentially, as you said there, what City have uh, the opportunity to do this evening against West Brom. <laughs> the problem is is that really, I would hate to, to be trying to face a, a Tony Pulis side at home for them <laughs> that seems quite settled now. He's, he's had opportunities with this team. He's had some time with them. It kind of... Um, settled in, in what they want to do. Um, I'm personally expecting quite a big season from Christian Gamboa, the, the Costa Rican fullback, who I think will, will give Pulis exactly what he wants um, on both ends of the ball. And, you know, it's, it's a shame in some ways that, that Salomon Rondon won't be signed in time to, for the game. But there's more than enough in that West Brom side to, to concern Man City. And yet equally, such as the, the kind of Jekyll and Hyde that has been City at times, you could see them going there and rolling over West Brom. Um, again, it's a, it's a big moment for Sterling as well because it's, I think for him, mm-hmm. he thought he was in the magnifying glass at Liverpool. It's going to be even fiercer now at Manchester City just because of his transfer fee alone. So, as you say, it, it's that opportunity to establish momentum and I think that's what, what City will want to do. It, sometimes it isn't just about the win. Sometimes it's about the performance as well. Uh, we focus on the, we focus on the um, the title contenders, the teams that will be uh, in the mix for Champions League spots. Certainly, uh, maybe a tier below that. Uh, in the case of uh, of a Spurs, who are always interesting. Uh, there's always the drama at Newcastle. Will they be a a team that will face a, a relegation fight this year? Will they be mid table? Where are they going to end up? Southampton and Newcastle were they two two draw by the way at uh, St James's Park. Uh, the the, but but the, the, the promoted sides, Christian, these are teams that are going to need every single point they can sc- scrape together just to maintain their, their position in the Premier League next season. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about Watford already, and you said they, they obviously feel as though they could compete at this level uh, with what they've got. But the other two promoted sides are losers at home. That, that's probably, you know, and not against great competition either, not, not the way they want to start. Yeah, I, I, I thought Bournemouth um, were were really taught a hard lesson. Um, that's the best way I can put it. And it, it's kind of one of those things that's etched into the rule book of, of the Premier League for teams that come up is that mistakes will be punished. And if you're going to allow Rudy instead a free header, you're likely to continue goal. Now, the frustrating thing I imagine if you're Eddie Howe is that you faced Rudy Gisted before. He was at Blackburn last season, was powering headers nigh on every week. So you should have been aware of that. Um, equally, they missed some really good chances. Dan Gosling, um, quite early on in front of, of goal, 
that falls back to that kind of standard rule book of if you miss chances, you will be punished in the Premier League. Um, I think for, for Norwich, I felt a little bit sorry for them because I, some refereeing decisions didn't really go their way. And I don't like to criticise referees because I think they have an incredibly hard job and, and putting them under kind of that, you know, dissecting light isn't really the, the best thing for their careers. But I could see why Alex Neal was frustrated. The fact that their equalising goal was chalked off for a high foot one, really. I saw similar last season with, with Graziano Pelle against QPR. They then had a penalty claim that I thought had some justification in, in being given um, that wasn't given. And then, you you know, on the, the flip side of that, someone like Tobias pops up in the last minute and puts the game away. And you're, you're questioning, you know, how fair this league is on the opening day. And I, I think for, for Norwich they can feel a little bit hard done by. Um, whereas I think Bournemouth have to kind of console themselves with the fact that they made the mistakes that cost them the game ultimately and that they're going to have to address them quickly. And the fact that I, I think there was only one starter that was different from their championship side, uh, Joshua King, who signed from, from Blackburn in the off-season. Maybe it's time to, to bring in some of those new guys. Their signings have been quite interesting in terms of they brought Lee Tomlin from Middlesbrough, they brought Max Cradle from Saint-Étienne and formerly of Leeds. There's maybe not as much in the spine of the team in terms of upgrades there that I would have liked to have seen. You look at someone like Watford, for example, they brought Kapu, who we touched on, uh, Barami, players that have played in the Premier League, have experience, and I think are, are quite significant upgrades and will give you um, a little bit of kind of athleticism that you need in this league to, to really cover the ground. I don't see that in Bournemouth's midfield. Um, I don't see as much of the, the ground cover as the water carriers, if you will. And that's a concern for them moving forward. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, share some thoughts and, and talk a little bit about Liverpool and their start to the season. Clearly, the Raheem Sterling drama dragging out through much of the summer. Uh, he moves on to City. There's questions over um, whether or not they have enough up front now. Uh, Christian, what did you make of their one nothing win away to Stoke? The king is dead long live the king, I think, is the, the quickest thing you can come from that. No sooner is Sterling gone, Coutinho pops up with a, an absolutely fantastic goal. Um, I, I could see him being very influential for them this season. I think he's a, a wonderful player. He just needs to put it together more consistently. Um, you know, Jordan Henderson said afterwards he wasn't surprised by that last-minute winner. And, you know, upon reflection, I can see why, because in fairness, he, he did it a few times last season against Southampton, against uh, Manchester City. So it's not um, new ground for him. It's just making it so he performs more consistently for that team. And I, I think watching them yesterday, there was, there was kind of a split between the forward line seemed to have some kind of... Uh, understanding already it wasn't perfect I think it needed a little bit of refinement but between Firmino and Henderson and Benteke you could see little bits of link up but I think as the season goes on as they understand each other better as individuals the team will improve now the concern is, is that the defence while it kept a clean sheet wasn't perfect it looked a little bit uncertain at times Joe Gomez who I thought did very well to come in and play against a very seasoned veteran in uh, John Walters had little moments where, on a different day, his attempt to clear the ball rolls across the box to a striker and they can see that it doesn't nicely fall to his teammate. And that's the concern, is that even now, even with the experience they have in Martin Skirl and Dejan Lovren in the centre, they don't ex they don't really ooze that calmness that you want from your centre of defence. Um, and again, it, it, it goes back to that discussion we were having at the top of the, the programme there. Is it a case of going out and buying someone new right. or do you try and coach through the problems? Yeah. Um, and I think realistically he has to coach through the problems because I can't see him being allowed to go and spend another 20, 25 million on a centre-back. Um, and equally, you ask who he would buy because that market is, is very kind of small at the moment. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Rogers fixes that because I think if anything's going to let him down this season, I think it will be the defence. I don't see it being the attack. If anything, I think the attack could find a, a midpoint between where it was at last season and where it was at during the Suarez, uh, his last season, when they just tore through teams as if they were tissue paper. So nearly one round of games in the Premier League done. West Brom hosting Manchester City today. Uh, it will finish out uh, this first uh, first round of matches. The best part about talking to Christian Hennage is that we can go from the Premier League and the opening weekend and all of that and excellent analysis directly into MLS. 
And Christian, um, you know, we had uh, quite the interesting weekend. Uh, the LA Galaxy debut, Giovanni Dos Santos in a win. The Sounders are still terrible. They didn't have Clint Dempsey due to injury. But I want to talk a bit about this New York, um, uh, New York uh, Red Bulls, New York City FC game, particularly because, look, the Red Bulls are, are a good side. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, they have the look of a, of a real contender after a big philosophy switch, and they sort of stand in, um, in opposition to what's going on across the river with NYCFC in their first year. They bring in Pirlo. They bring in Lampard. They obviously have David Villa. There's no question about David Villa right now, but Pirlo and Lampard, not adjusting as well as perhaps we we would uh, expect, or certainly the way that NYCFC fans would expect. No, exactly, and I think that's been been typified in the, the derby matches. Um, it's a big concern for New York City FC because they've invested a lot of money in these these three designated players, and they're not meshing well as a team. And the the, the wider picture is, I see a lot of fans kind of look to Quadro Poku and say, oh, you know, he can be that enforcer, he can be the legs or the um, the Torre, if you will, that that midfield needs to give it some energy, to give it some ball-carrying ability. I, I don't think he can perform that for 90 minutes. I don't think he has the stamina in him to do it. I think he's a little bit more than perhaps the, the impact sub that Jason Christ has, has made in this season. Um, interestingly, he's the only sub to I think, create 11 uh, key chances in, in, as coming on as a sub. So it does back up the idea that he's an impact player. But I would like to see him given a bit more time yeah. on the field because I think he's better than that. But as you say, it's it's that kind of real stark contrast between New York Red Bulls, who, funnily enough, have ditched their star names in Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill, have, have lost those guys and become significantly better, while New York seem to scrabble around and, and struggle with it. But the problem is, is that, look, they're an expansion side. Um, they're very much feeling their way through. A lot of people say, is this a Jason Christ side? I'm inclined to say arguably not because he's not making all of the decisions. And the truth is that if you're not making all the decisions, how can it ever really be your side? The fact that the, the club did want a younger DP um, and were told to sign Andrea Pirlo, there's competing ideas here that have to be allowed to, to coexist. And that is Andrea Pirlo is a wonderful footballer, a truly talented, you know, generation-defining footballer. He is also not the best fit for this current New York City FC side. Now, I was speaking to a fan last night who said, well, the problem isn't Lampard, uh, the problem isn't PLO, excuse me, it's Lampard, they shouldn't have signed Lampard. And I agree with it, with that to an extent. The problem is, is that you've already signed Lampard when you signed PLO. So it's not really good enough to say, oh, well, Lampard is the problem, that's who we should be getting rid of. This team, I would say in the off-season, needs to sit down, really def- define how they want to play football, who are their key men in the spine of the team, and then what players do they need to make that effective? Realistically, they need enforcers alongside Pirlo. Uh-huh. Um, they need guys who run hard, who have kind of strong physical stats and are able to keep up to the game for 90 minutes. Um, and then equally in the final third, alongside Villa, they need attackers who, who can create space because I think that's a problem for them as well, is that players like McNamara, who are, I think, very talented young individuals, aren't creating enough space for him to play in. Um, and so he's he's struggling to find it. He's downing on the ball. And as we've seen, he, he's not a very strong player. So it's quite easy for him to be overcome by the, the physical nature of, of Major League Soccer. Yeah, there's so, there, there's so many things that are working against him. You know, you could imagine, first of all, they had a year plus to build up to this season and to define what they wanted to be, Christian, and they chose... I don't know what they chose to do, uh, essentially to, to take all their money and give it to three players and, and, and imagine, you know, they're filling the seats. And, and I guess maybe that is even more important in the, in, in your first season than being, um, a truly good team. Uh, but you want to do both. Clearly, there are so many variables working against Pirlo being a success in this league that, as you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like when does, when does all of that, when is the, the, the straw, where, where's the straw that breaks the camel's back? Instead of, Instead of imagining, well, we've got Andrea Pirlo, let's make it work. You sort of go, well, this doesn't work for him, and this doesn't work for him, and if you don't have this type of player alongside him, which is a very rare thing indeed in MLS, a, a truly dominant sort of defensive midfield player who can cover for for Pirlo and, and play ahead of him. I mean, let's be honest, they play, they play sort of circles around Pirlo in the center of midfield. I, I don't know how you do that. Well, I think... 
if we look at the Eastern Conference in general, look at the teams that currently sit top, DC United, New York Red Bulls, neither have what I would consider star names in the, the global sphere of football. You've got Chris Rolfe, uh, a league veteran, who is, is really kind of running things for DC alongside Fabian Espindola. For New York Red Bulls, you have Bradley Wright Phillips uh, and Dax McCarthy, I think, typifying that same kind of thing. Sasha Klaxon to a Leicester, he obviously is taking it up, maybe a little bit of a bigger name. But again, these are not star players. These are not guys that you would, uh, you know, see getting five, six million dollars. But they're guys that fit the team dynamic. They fit what the team is trying to do. Um, and that's the concern for, for New York City fans at the minute. They don't really have a, an identity on the pitch. I think that they're, they're doing kind of a lot to, to try and forge that off the, the pitch. Some of it less pretty than others. That, that kind of fighting that we saw, um, in the pre-match yesterday but on the field they, they do need to kind of define what they want to be there's a reason I think we've seen a lot of different formations from, from Christ these last few weeks and it's because he's having to try and test things out on the pitch yeah. in MLS matches yeah. to work out what is best for him he has such a kind of mixed bag of talent you have players like Angelino this exciting young fullback prospect then you have Iriola who's a vastly experienced Spanish fullback and it's just trying to get that to fit in. That was, for me, that was kind of the the takeaway from Jason Christ in, in Real Salt Lake was how good is that team? You know, the way they pass the ball, that understanding they have. It's hard enough to, to build an understanding with an expansion squad roster in general. It's even harder when some of the components don't really fit into the holes that you need them yeah, to they, to they, make the team play you want them to. That's the that's the issue for Jason Christ. This is why I don't know that he's the best fit for this team. I understand him taking the opportunity and having the chance to go and learn from people in Manchester and be backed by big money, but this is backwards from what he is used to. This is backwards from what he did in Utah, Christian. In Utah, it was the team is the star. We're going to bring in players who fit what we want to do, which I think is how you're supposed to build a team. In New York, it's very much, okay, here's your group of players. They don't necessarily fit together. Now go win games. And and that's that's got to be strange for him. Exactly. I mean, it sounds a bizarre statement to say, but you know, maybe he's looking at PLO as his Kyle Beckham. Um there's there's players that I think he's trying to shoehorn into similar positions that he had at RSL, and it's it's just not working. That's the the sad truth. And equally, you know, two of your star players, I think, are still adjusting to life in Major League Soccer, um, because it is a very different league in terms of what it brings, what it demands of its players. The fact you don't really get a lot of time on the ball. Um, when you do, I think sometimes teams can be quite static. Um, the players ahead of them. And it is, it's a very different league, I think, to, to what a lot of European players are used to. Um, you also have to factor in that not all of the, the grass is grass. Some of it is turf. And that, yeah. having spoken to, to English players, is something that you you have to get used to as well. The, the bounce of the ball, all these little these little nuances that, that we don't really take in as, as fans just observing the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I say it's going to be a very important off-season. Um, for them you look at Orlando City and to me they're the team that you know has sat down and said okay well how do we want to play who do we bring in mm-hmm. and not every signing has been great they've no. recently just let Martin Patterson go they had to let Sean St. Ledger go they've cut players but they've also forged some kind of identity so you know how they play you know how they work and then through that they've had a little bit of fortune with, with Kyle Lamb kind of bursting onto the scene mm-hmm. But that then falls into the idea of being quite good scouting. They've done really well to, to scout Laren and say, look, we should take him. Um, I'm not sure if NYCFC are, are doing enough on those fronts at the minute to do, the, to do that and make the most of it. And that's, for me, where they have to improve. They have to improve in terms of getting the players that they want for, for the way that they want to play. I think we're running out of time. We're out of time here, uh, Christian. But I, I think it's interesting to look at the very different environments that, that Pirlo and Lampard are stepping into in New York versus what Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos to a lesser extent because he's a younger player with a lot more uh, time left ahead of him. But to see what Gerrard is stepping into, a very established team that knows how it wants to play. And even if Steven Gerrard's not a perfect fit, Bruce Arena is going to find a way to be successful. He's got a great supporting cast. They know who they are. They've won championships. That exudes an incredible amount of confidence that they can feed on. NYCFC is making this all up as they go along, and it's definitely showing on the field. 
What I would say is, you look at someone like Mick Stistrud, who's on a lot of money. Then look at someone like Sebastian Leger. For me, the hallmark of Bruce Arena has been the ability to find players like Leger, like Juninho, who are arguably on lesser money than they should be and contribute to the team in a significant way. That's, I think, what New York City FC and Jason Crack need to do as well. They need to almost unearth those gems, which is not an easy task. Um, you know, I think it's something we chronically underrate with, with Bruce Arena. It's his ability to find players like Leger and then manage to get performances out of them quite quickly because he's taken to this league almost effortlessly. And I thought against Seattle again, he was brilliant. And that's part, I think, of the bigger plan for New York City FC. They need to upgrade their recruitment in terms of not just who they're buying, but who they're giving their money to and how much of that money they're giving them. Mm. Um, and that, I think, feeds into the, the wider idea of them getting an academy, making the most of the city partnership and making it so the players they bring over are the players they need. There was talk of, of Iheanacho coming over from City. Mm-hmm. I, if I was putting my money on it, I would rather have him than, than Angelino. And that's not to say Angelino's a bad player, but at the minute, NYCFC need to score goals. So you want to take the striker, you want to take that risk. And someone who I think looked really good in preseason, but mm-hmm. isn't likely to be good enough to, to make that breakthrough for City this season. Yeah, and I've seen some talk about who's been responsible for certain signings. And, and that's always difficult to tell, especially at an MLS club. But obviously, Claudio Reyna has some influence over who they're going after, and the names connected to him aren't the best, so we'll have to see how this plays out. Kristen, I wish we had more time. We do not. Kristen Hennage, go follow him on Twitter, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. He writes for a bunch of different places, fantastic coverage of both the Premier League and MLS. Kristen, appreciate the time. Happy Monday. We'll talk to you soon. And there he goes. We actually dropped that call for reasons I do not completely understand, but it doesn't matter because we were done. When we come back, phone lines will be open for you. Here on a Monday edition of Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Sunday, I'll be calling the Philadelphia Union against Chicago Fire game on Rabble.tv. I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comment sections. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Philadelphia against Chicago on Rabble.tv. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game, just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Zlatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers, with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning, Monday edition of the program. Happy to have you along for the ride. Phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. If you haven't written it down or put it in your phone or burned it into your memory, that's the number, 646-832-3909. Let's go to New York and talk to my man Washington what was it? Number f- you number five, right, 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 Rashi? That's right. I am number five. Number I'm number five. five. How's it going, Jason? Uh, it's going well. Now, are you going to you? It's, uh, you want to talk about your team? You want to talk about that game 
yesterday. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. talk about the game, or do you want to talk about what happened before the game? Because I got I got to address it at some point. All right, well, we can talk a little bit about both. I don't. Uh, I saw the highlight in the news clip this morning about what happened before the game. I I, I was disappointed. You know, we we can't be bringing violence. We you know, the, the thing that that really bothered me the most was that uh, the news reporter and I won't say the name, but the news reporter said um, the hooligan hooliganism from Europe is now appearing on our shores or appearing in our local town or something boom, like that. Boom, 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 and, and boom. Was, Washington. This is my. I'm sorry to bomb rush you here, but. I am I am extremely passionate about this particular topic. I have said for years. I'm talking going back to the beginning of when I started podcasting and writing about American soccer on my original blog that no one should ever read ever again. The moment American soccer fans start to we had the West Ham Columbus crew thing a couple of years back during a friendly. Yeah, yeah. The moment American soccer fans start acting like this, it it creates a lot of pressure and a lot of problems for soccer as a whole. It doesn't matter. I totally agree with it you. It doesn't matter if you're not an NYCFC fan or you're not a Red Bull fan or you're not a hooligan or you're not a thug or you're not one of these people who fights for the fun of it. You're going to be painted with this label. If you're a soccer fan exactly. in this country, every, every mainstream media outlet that covers this story will take the opportunity to say, what's happening with soccer in the United States? And it's bad. It's bad for us. It's bad for the sport. And here's the thing, though. Here's the good news, Jason. I was at the stadium. And, yes, we took digs at each other, just like the Red Bulls fan took digs at us. But it was all in good fun. Everybody there had a blast. I was right next to the third rail. Those guys are great. We all had a blast. And, of course, we were, you know, um, shooting zingers at each other. Of course, that's part of the fun. But nobody there had a negative attitude. I mean, no, there, were, there were no fights that I saw. Everybody had a great time. And what pisses me off the most is you didn't hear not one piece of that in the news clip this morning. All you heard about was the fight at that bar. Yeah, uh, and it's disappointing. And, look, I, I, I saw there's some comments out there. I won't call out the person who made them. You can find them if you want. But there was sort of mm-hmm. this this intimation by somebody from the from the New York metropolitan area, from somebody from that part of the world, this intimation that the number of arrests before the game or some sort of clashing between fans is indicative or, or somehow speaks to the passion and the rivalry. And, oh, now it's a real rivalry because people are getting arrested. That's an incredibly, no, it isn't. incredibly no, it isn't. That, that's not the way we measure a rivalry. Right, exactly. We measure a rivalry by the size of the TIFO. We measure a rivalry by the, the volume of the stadium. We yep. measure a rivalry by the by the score. You don't measure it by how many people get arrested or how many people get into fights. No, let's not let's this not, not celebrate stupidity. Let's not celebrate stupidity. And by the way, if you are any if you're the type of person that goes out to any sporting event event, I don't care if it's soccer, football, basketball, women's softball, if you have any intention of getting into a physical altercation with somebody who supports... All they do is support the other team. They're probably just like you. And even if they're not just like you, they like the same things you do because that's why they're there. If your intention right. is to get into a physical altercation with you with them, don't, don't go anywhere. Sit at home, in the dark, by yourself, alone, and listen to, 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 um, you know, listen to, to terrible music and, and, and punish yourself because you don't deserve to be in public. Anyway, Washington, let's talk about the game. Go ahead. So he, here's my issue with with Jason Christ. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, re, I mean, your caller, I think the, the guy you had before me um, before the break, he hit it right in the nose. He's experimenting on the field now. I I get that, and I, I really and I also agree with him saying, you know, this is going to be a very important off season. I'm going to give him a pass, and I think he should be given a pass for this season because he really didn't know what he had to work with. He really didn't know, you know. I mean, he started. We we were still getting new players every day. I mean, the transfer window just closed, so I get that, right? I understand. He didn't know what was going on, but this off season, he really needs to work things out. He really now now that he knows who he has, he knows what's going on. He needs to work out a plan, a formation, something. Every single time, and then that defense, man, that defense has got to work hard. Now, I don't want anybody getting, uh, you know, it twisted. I'm NYCFC for life, no matter what. But that defense, they've got to learn how to clear the ball. For some reason, he wants to play right on the 18-yard box. I don't know why. Clear the damn ball. Every single, I, I, I was doing the Rabble TV broadcast last night, Washington. So you, you were at the stadium. You obviously weren't listening. I must have right. said. Why can't they clear the ball about 30 times? Why can't they clear the ball? Look, I know, I know we have this notion of playing out of the back, being a little bit more attractive, keeping the ball on the ground, 
being, uh, you know, evolving our soccer here in this country. And I know Jason Christ is one of those coaches who wants to play that way. But that doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you can't kick the ball as hard as you can when you've got four Red Bull players inside the 18-yard box and the ball's bouncing around. Get your foot on the ball. Get it out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly my man. Oh. Look, all in all, even with the scoreline, I had a blast. And the, the guys that came with me, there were about 10 of us, we had a blast. So just remember that, people. Don't remember the fights. Remember that. Where everybody at the stadium had a blast. Right, well, I got to go, Jason. Thanks all right, there man. goes Washington. I, I've got some, some, uh, some details here. Uh, Subway Rat is telling me what groups it's, it's between. Uh, blah blah blah. Ambush some supporters during the second. Uh, this was retaliation. Okay, I don't. I, I do. Okay, I, I I do not. I do not care about the details. Um, I mean, I I understand that we're we're trying to assign some blame here. Who's responsible for whatever? Um, and I've got somebody on the line. Who who's this? Hi, this is Karen from New Jersey. Hey, Karen. I'm being told you were you were a witness to this uh, these shenanigans. We, we were up the street, and our friend was behind us watching it. And from what I have heard, um, the NYCFC supporters particularly walked down that street to that bar looking to pick a fight. Yeah, yeah and I've heard that that's a Red Bull bar, and uh, obviously this game was at it's, Red Bull Arena, so it was close by. Like, again, I mean, it's, okay. It's a, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Karen. It's, it's, it's the Garden State Ultras bar, particularly. Okay. All right, which is obviously a Red Bull supporter group. I, again, yes. I, I know that that stuff matters for determining who's responsible. I, I, you know, at the end of the clip that we got from Rob Harris on Twitter, there was a uh, a police vehicle that pulled up. So I'm imagining some people were at least detained for a little while, and there was something going on there uh, from the authorities. But and I, st- I know that stuff matters. But I'm concerned again from this general sense that somehow soccer fans in general are going to get labeled as hooligans, people who look for fights, and again. We know that this stuff happens in other sports. The, the problem, the difference, is that there is something called the Garden State Ultras, that there is something called the Third Rail or whatever, and not that they were involved. I'm just saying these groups, the, you know, obviously um, you know, the Empire Supporters Group and all of these things, these people organize, and that gives media an opportunity to put a label on the people responsible for the violence, and it creates a problem for soccer. Just stop doing it. Stop it. Oh, no, I totally agree. I, I find difficulty in the New York Post article that today said there were 30 arrests stemming particularly just from the game when the police were out in force yesterday because there were also several parades going on in Newark and a festival and people in general were getting arrested uh, yesterday. Right, so right, right. that's the part I think that yeah, this, the, the reporting has been a little sketchy. And it speaks to the problem, right? If there's a soccer match and there's a fight, which again is bad and shouldn't happen, but you know, let's be honest, there are, there are fights that happen around every sporting event in this country uh, on some level. People get drunk and stupid. It happens. But the difference is that in you, you, you know, all these other events in the area – because it's soccer and because there are a lot of people in this country who are still quick to label soccer fans as hooligans, that's where, that's where the, uh, the responsibility suddenly lies, with soccer. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. Karen, uh, you got any parting words here? I'm going to let you go. Nope, that's good. Thanks, Jason. All right, there you go. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm being told on Twitter it's important to assign blame. They should be shamed and called out. Okay, and this is being called re- retaliation. Okay, so the Red Bull fans jumped some NYCFC supporters at the second game and then at the Yankee Stadium game and then this was retaliation by the NYCFC report, uh, supporters towards the GS the GSU and guys i mean again that's i i guess that stuff matters and people should be shamed for their behavior um i, I the the hooligans you call first of all stop calling yourself hooligans start calling stop calling yourself army stop calling yourself ultras stop calling yourself soldiers whatever I mean, who? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm a broken record here. I'm gonna little palate cleanser with Roberto, who's been very patient. Roberto, you're on the air. Hey, it's better than being called Barra Brava in South America. Well, okay, look, and yes, that that one should fall under the same heading. And I, and the original uh, DC United fans going back, and uh, you know, there are some people who are no longer with us who were key to the to, to the start of that group. They chose a name that that was. Uh, you know that there there was um, some provocation in the name. I I think they probably should have chosen better. It's the, the the difference though, Roberto, is that for for most of us and most of the the English speaking part of this country, Barra Brava doesn't have the same meaning 
as hooligan. And that's that's not right. It's just the way things are based on the language barrier. But you're, you're right. Barabov is just as bad. Exactly. Um, let's switch gears and talk about them. The Premier League now. Um, firstly, did you enjoy the weekend? The first weekend of the- <laughs> Roberto just put on his hosting hat. Let's switch gears. And, uh, hey, that's what I did. I, I did. I did enjoy. I did. Yeah, I enjoyed what I saw. I actually didn't catch uh, catch any of Arsenal West Ham, but I did watch Chelsea Swansea, which I thought was pretty entertaining. I watched Manchester United Tottenham, uh, which was not all that entertaining to be honest with you and uh, a little disappointing in terms of the uh the one goal being scored on a, just an absolute terrible own goal but uh, you know it, it was a good weekend i suppose for the premier league yeah i just want to talk about that chelsea game really um i i was watching diego costa for the entire 90 minutes and he just looked very off the pace he was even looked nervous with the fear that his hamstring injury might have been I don't know, tear it off. Yeah, I mean, remember, this is a guy with a history of having to come off in, was it the Champions League? He had to come off in, like, the first 15 minutes because yeah. because of an injury like this. I mean, I, I put the, you know, that, that onus falls on Mourinho. If they do a fitness test and he's not 100%, I don't care if it's the first weekend of the season, rest him up because you need a healthy Diego Costa through the bulk of the year. I mean, you can't be messing around with a hamstring. It's the kind of thing that pops up. I mean, look at... A player like Josie Altidore, not to compare the two, but, you know, if you don't properly rest, rehabilitate, and come back from a hamstring injury when you are fully fit, it can reoccur. And this is something that could be chasing him all year. Exactly, exactly. And it's better to not risk that and play someone like Luke Ramey or Ramon Falcao for that type of match, especially for the next one against Manchester City, which yeah. is an important one. Yeah. Uh, Roberto, got any other observations? I got a couple other people. I, I need to take a break as no, well. No, no, it's fine. All right, enjoy your day, Jason. There goes Roberto. Good palate cleanser, and let's take a quick break. Got to squeeze one more in before we come back. We'll do another, another segment of your calls, Bill and Brendan. Hold on, it's soccer morning on a Monday. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This Sunday, I'll be calling the Philadelphia Union against Chicago Fire game on Rabble.tv. I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comment sections. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Philadelphia against Chicago on Rabble.tv. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Slatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Kind of been taken over by this Red Bull New York City FC game and some of the events surrounding it. Bill and Queens, you've been very patient. What's up? Hey, Jason, I know uh, you'd love to talk about anything else other than what happened before the game yesterday, but we do have to talk about it because we do. it's a thing not only uh, – 
that uh, is a terrible thing. But for a lot of Red Bulls fans, myself included, uh, we can't stand this group either. And this is not an isolated incident with them. This is a smaller group compared to the other two, the Viking Army and the Empire Supporters Club. Wait, wait, hold on. This group that in 2011, on a trip to uh, Columbus, uh, jumped two kids in a parking lot because they were wearing crew shirts. Ah. This is a group that gay bashed a friend of mine in 2013 to the point that he no longer wanted to be a part of this fan base anymore. It's a group that threw a lit road flare towards the direction of our own goalkeeper last year. Okay, I think this, this is also... Uh, Bill, this is, I believe, is this also the group that refused to take the league's uh, directive um, uh, about the, the YSA chant? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that, that was them as well. And uh, like I said, this is not an isolated incident, and I don't want people who listen to the show around the league to think that they are representative of us because they're not. Okay. And okay. Uh, that's not what happened yesterday. You know, uh, that happened. Meanwhile, uh, the supporter group I'm part of, we had a charity event yesterday, and we had New York City fans that were there uh, taking a part of it. Maybe yeah. there was a little banter back and forth, but nobody, uh, nobody came to blows. And I don't see why we can do that, and they can't. Yeah, you know, okay, Nolan on Twitter is pointing something out. He says, ultras and hooligans are different by definition. Yeah, I, under- I understand that, Nolan. And I understand ultras does not always imply violence. But if you take the tradition that's come out of Eastern Europe and Italy, yeah, okay, uh, ultras mean something. You know, it has a, it has a, it's a loaded... These guys aren't supporters, Jason. They're agitators. Right, and they're agitators uh, within our own fan base as well. These, that a lot of people... times they'll break off into whatever they want to do as far as their song is because they don't care about us. When we uh, sing a song in Spanish, mm-hmm. they sing Nacho's Grande towards us. I think, I think that what I'm, point, I'm trying to point out is, is sometimes when these groups take on these names, they are putting themselves, they're separating themselves immediately. They, they, they are, se- they are sending a message that their interest is more in agitation than it is in supporting the team. Come high or high water by whatever means necessary. And again, this is a league that has been very good about being open-minded, inclusive, and progressive. And let's not, let's not change that perception because of a small group of people. Uh, ultras and hooligans are different by definition. This is again from Nolan. The naming concepts aren't the problem. Okay. I, I, I understand they're not the main problem, but they are certainly about intention. Example, Timbers Army is a great group. This is true. But the Timbers Army existed prior to MLS. They created themselves and then worked very hard to get a sense of community around that group that is not about, you know, and again, Sounders and, and, and Portland fans have had run-ins. Um, but the, you know, just think about some of the groups that call themselves ultras. Uh, that group down in San Jose, what is it, eighteen oh six ultras? I, you know, again, I'm just, I'm just saying, um, Bill, Jason, you you can call yourself the the, unifo- uh, the unicorn and, uh, and and puppy brigade, and uh, if you go out and sure, start yes. pick fights with people on the yes. street, then you yes. deserve to be banned. Absolutely, this is true. The, the the name doesn't matter, you know, to the actions. I mean, in comparison to the actions, I'm just pointing out again. That we have a streak here, and this is the part that the rest of us have to be vigilant about, Bill. And you're 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 doing that here this morning, and I imagine you'll do that within the Red Bull community. But we have, you know, the the the, the name sort of announced the intention of of a, a streak of people who choose to be more about aping what they've seen in Europe occasionally, what they've seen in a movie, or what they've seen from the '80s, than actually being soccer fans, and that's a travesty. All right, cool, Jay. Thanks for All right, good stuff from uh, from Bill. Let's uh, let's talk to Brendan in Cali, who I imagine. Well, you, you, it says NYCF uh, NYC Derby, but I don't know if that's uh, about the hooligans or not, Brendan. Yeah, you know, I'm just calling from uh, the home of the five-time MLS Cup champ, so like <laughs> You know, I'm just calling about our uh, our New York friends. I, I can't remember how many MLS Cups do they have over there between the two clubs. I can't remember, but uh, that's zero. I can't remember, but regardless, you know, I think. Uh, you know, the, the, the Red Bulls also have to be called out on this a little bit. Uh, not, not necessarily with the, uh, the hooliganism, but just, uh, you know, this, this whole, uh, preseason was kind of consumed by, uh, you know, Red Bull out, Mike Pecky, bring Pe- Pe- Pecky back, and, uh, you know, that uproar. And I, I just, I'm not hearing any noise about that anymore. I wonder why. I guess, uh, winning really does cure, uh, cure all woes. So, uh, you know, kind of surprised by that. And then, uh, you know, the other thing is it just seems that the, uh, the two, uh, Supporters groups we've been having problems with is, is NYCFC and Orlando City. You know, throughout we can't forget. You know, kind of through preseason and uh, the beginning of season, Orlando City was a real problem as well. So I think uh, these are definitely people learning how to be soccer fans here in this country because 
it's really hard to be a bull again in this country with the amount of travel. I mean, there's no way these guys... Are they going to travel to Colorado to pick fights? I mean, how's that going to work? It's going to be difficult to get up to Vancouver, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, it sort of just paints your... You, you paint yourself into a corner here. You state your intentions with your name. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean you're bad people if you call yourself ultras or hooligans, but I think it does indicate sort of where your initial mindset is. Um, certainly your stance. You know, it's an, it's an aggro stance versus sort of, hey, we're just here to, to be fans and, and cheer together and sing the same songs and, and create TIFO versus, hey, we're here to be, you know, hey, we're going to defend our club, blah, 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 blah. No, you just want to be a fight. You just want to be in a fight. You just want to be a dick. Stop being a dick. Uh, appreciate the call, Brennan. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, take care, man. Yeah, Thanks. Awesome. All right. Um, we are essentially done here on a Monday. Good stuff from Kristen uh, Hennage. Now, I did have some headlines I didn't get a ch- chance to get to this morning because of our delay. I just want to touch on a couple of those. Uh, the phone lines will remain open, 646-832-3909, just for a couple more minutes. But just let's run through some of these uh, storylines that I didn't get to. Um, we mentioned some of the MLS uh, events. Didn't really get a chance to talk about the LA Galaxy beating Seattle 3-1, Giovanni Dos Santos scoring in his debut. That's obviously the noteworthy event there. Glenn Dempsey did not play, picked up a hamstring injury, and was out. Chad Barrett scores in the first minute of the game and then pulls his hamstring celebrating that goal. It was all downhill from there for the Sounders. Bruce Arena uh, and company getting a home win and uh, continuing to build on what they've, what they've got. Now that these, these rosters are stable for the most part, I think the Sounders could still somehow manage to squeeze Roman Torres into their team. Uh, there's lots of rumors swirling around. I don't know where that stands. But beyond that, and, and the chance that a couple players will come in as free transfers out of contract, we could uh, we are seeing what will be these teams down the stretch. And uh, the Galaxy look very tough. The Rebels look very tough. I don't know what DC United is. They get a one nothing victory over Montreal. They take one shot. They score on the road. Very different than what they've been at RFK. Sabarillo's influence not necessarily felt in this game. Are they going to be a scrapping team who who you know scrapes with uh, with one nothing wins? Are they going to be a team that can score three or four goals when they need to? It's it's difficult to say. Sporting, very good over uh, Toronto FC, despite the fact they're missing Dwyer and Zussi and some other key players. Uh, it's Bielsa watch time. Marcelo Bielsa has stepped away from Marseille, uh, submitting his resignation over the weekend. And now there is open speculation that he will take that Mexico job. We'll see. He obviously has a history in Mexico, started his uh, managerial career on the club level there. So we'll be watching that. Mexico under Bielsa could be an absolute tire fire. It could be amazing on the field. We'll have to see. Neymar has the mumps and is out for two weeks. That uh, could have an impact on Pedro and whether or not he moves on anytime soon. Remember, the transfer window in Europe stays open, or at least in England, where Pedro is rumored to, to go, until August 31st. So a possibility of him still ending up, say, in a Manchester United shirt. And finally here... Uh, much props to the fans of Chattanooga FC who showed up in, uh, showed up to their NPSL final match against Cosmos B to the tune of 18,227 people. Unbelievable support from Chattanooga for their team. Now, ultimately, Chattanooga FC lost that game 3-2. So congratulations go out to Cosmo B and head coach Aleko Eskandarian, who wins his first title. Uh, in his coaching career, but that is uh, that's amazing stuff from the people in Tennessee. We had a call uh, last week. I took a call last week from somebody in Chattanooga talking about this. It's a phenomenon. What it means for the future of soccer in Chattanooga, I don't know yet. But you know, let's just uh, take a moment and celebrate that eighteen thousand people showed up to a uh, an amateur soccer match, a national pro- uh, professional, yeah, the national professional soccer league. Is that what it is? No, it's national. <laughs> What does NPSL stand for, Trevor? Just it just flat out National Premier Soccer League. Yeah, of course the Premier's in there. Uh, it's the equivalent of of, of USL level stuff. The uh, the USL uh, development division. All right, USL PDL. That's what I meant to say. All right, that's it. Thanks very much for the calls, guys. You've all been brilliant. We have one more. Should I should I squeeze in one more? Yes. No. Confirm. Denied. No. All right. We'll uh, we'll take this out. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to again, thanks to Christian Henez for joining us to talk Premier League and MLS. Thanks to all those guys, all you guys who called in, and Karen in Jersey as well. Can't forget her. Don't be a hooligan. Don't be an ultra. Just be a fan. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 